Grace Family Church of Rhode Island presents Word of Hope, a sermon series with Pastor Luciano Cozzi. Good morning, brethren. Imagine for a moment being a president and needing to choose people, uh, particular, specific people, a handful of people that will carry out your legacy for many years to come. People who are destined to represent you to the whole world. Who would you choose? I'm assuming that most of us would think, well, we need to choose experts in different fields, depending on what they are to work on. Um, we would probably look for experienced individuals in their respective field of um, expertise. And most likely we would want people who are well known as well, the people that can have a good reputation in their, again, their field of expertise. But don't be surprised if you see something totally different being done by Jesus Christ. In fact, let's read it in Mark chapter 1 and verses 14 to 20. Now, after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. As he was going along by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the boat, mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with their, with their hired servants, and went away to follow him. Now, we see here in this particular segment of the Gospel of Mark, that Jesus Christ was concentrating on sharing the Gospel, the good news, and he was calling on people to repent and to, be to believe in the good news. But now he was calling specific individuals, key individuals that would become his disciples and later on his apostles. Let's pause a moment and think about that choice. Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Logos of John 1.1, God himself, God in the flesh, the creator and sustainer of all things, he called fishermen. He called people who had no special education. He did not call the brightest people in terms of their religion. He called individuals that no rabbi would have chosen to be his students. So what's going on here? What did Jesus have in mind? What was Jesus doing? And I think there are several lessons 
that we can draw from that. The first is that in God's eyes, it's not about skill or experience. I, I just mentioned that the Lord did not choose, choose the brightest and the best in the world. Although you might assume from a human perspective that the king of all kings, the creator and sustainer of the universe, would want to pick the, the best in the world to represent him and the best in the world to carry on his legacy. But he didn't. He did not choose the best, but he chose people that had a heart. He actually saw in these people something that themselves, they themselves could not see. Something that the teachers of those days could not see. Something that the religious people of those days could not see. But what did God have in mind? If you look at Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6, we will have an idea of what was going on. In Zechariah 4, 6, it's written, Then he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, saying, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Now, this is in reference of Zerubbabel building the temple. And God basically said that his temple will not be built by might or power, but by the Holy Spirit, by God's Spirit. The principle of that, if we apply that to what Jesus was doing at that time, would indicate that God's choice was not based on what we can do with our human might and power. It is not that God was going to build the church, the spiritual temple of God, by what we can come up with ourselves, but by God's Spirit. And God himself, the Lord, the Holy Spirit saw in his people a heart, a heart that it was right, a heart that could be worked on. Now it's interesting to see the variety of people that the Lord chose to be his disciples and then eventually his apostles, including people that would, you would never ever expect being part of that group not only fishermen who were not particularly educated, but also a tax collector that was to fellowship with a, with a zealot. Individuals that would be at each other's throat. It's very interesting to see the choices that Jesus made. But it's even more important for the, for the moment to realize and understand that the Lord is not building his temple, his kingdom, his church in the way that we would expect. He's building it by grace, not human skill. By grace and not just human ideas. The church is not just a concept that was invented by some individual, some man, who decided, okay, let's build up a new group, a new idea, a new ideology, maybe. 
It is done by His work. But God has chosen to do His work in and through imperfect people. Yes, He could have chosen the best, but He didn't. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning with verse 26, we find out one reason, at least, why God decided to do that. Let's read it together. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 26. For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen, the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God. Well, the concept here is pretty clear. God has chosen not the mighty, not the noble, not those who had a good pedigree, so to say, but he has chosen the people that don't. He has chosen the little people. He has chosen the common individuals. But he has chosen individuals that he can work with. So, in here, as we see in Mark chapter 1 and verse, verses 14 to 20, our, our reading for the day, where God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, called his disciples, we see a similar principle being applied there. The same concept. He did not go into Jerusalem to look for the greatest scholars and say, follow me. He went by the sea. He called some fishermen and asked them, follow me. Not the greatest people, not the brightest, not the most powerful, not the most prominent in society, but the little one the weak things of the world, to shame the things with, which are strong. But why would God do that? Because the lesson is not about what we can do. The lesson is all about what God can do. Look at the image that God used in Mark 1. He said, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Fishers of men. That's a powerful image that, that Jesus used at that time. And that imagery was used on purpose. He was calling fishermen, so yes, he was speaking their language. But he told them that he would use them in a completely different way. Let's understand that imagery a little better. And we will see that what Jesus was doing through that imagery, he was showing them that what they would be doing is not their work. And at least two occasions, Jesus used that imagery of fishing to teach them something extremely important. Now, they were expert fishermen. There was their trade. There was what they were doing every day to earn a living 
and their livelihood depended on their skill as fishermen. And as we read in Scripture, after they labored the whole night, but without a single catch, Jesus did something that was totally counterproductive. He called on them and said, cast the net on the other side. Now their reaction, as we find it in, in Luke 5, I believe, their reaction was, well, Lord, we, we've been trying, we've been trying and trying and trying the whole night, and that we have had not one catch. Jesus then told them, cast the net on that side. So they did. They probably thought, what do we have to lose? One more time, it's not going to make a difference, right? So they did cast the net on the other side of a boat, and they caught so much fish that they had a very hard time carrying it with their boats. What's the point? The point might have been counterintuitive because, after all, here is a man who by profession was a carpenter, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. But by all means, he grew up as a carpenter, telling professional fishermen to cast the net on the other side that they would be able to have a good catch. And a good catch they, they got. The lesson was that it wasn't the experience, the human experience, or the skill, or their intelligence, or anything dealing, having to do with us, but the Lord's work, the Lord's word. Because the Lord said that, and they did it, the outcome was different. What do we read in that is that when the Lord makes them fishers of men, it is not they who decide where to go to fish for those men, but the Holy Spirit, God himself. And it is not their work, but it is God's work. And God would bless it. Much later, we find the Apostle Paul wanted to go into Asia. The Holy Spirit told Paul, no, I don't want you to go into Asia. I want you to go to Greece. So Paul changes plant, plans, and God bless his ministry in Greece. The point here is that what we're called to participate, what those students, disciples, to become apostles, were called to participate in, was a Lord's work. And they were blessed to be part of it. Just like today, we are blessed to be part of it. He called us as well to be fishers of men. He called us to do the Lord's will, to reach out in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our cities, in our states, in our countries, and everywhere that God gives us the ability to reach out to. God has given us the amazing honor and the privilege to be able to be part of his work, to cast the net where he tells us to cast the net, and he will provide the outcome. He will determine 
the outcome of the work that we participate in, which is his work. After all, we're never being called to build our church. Ever since the beginning, his disciples have been called to build his church. It is his ministry. It is his catch, you see, his people, his gospel, his kingdom. And we are not here, and we are not called to replace him. We are not called to go to Jesus and tell him what to do and how to do it and replace him. On the other hand, we are not called to be particularly lazy and not to participate in what the Lord has called us to do in his ministry. We're not called to stand still. We're not called to be in church and just warm up the chairs. Notice in particular, as Jesus was sharing the gospel, called his disciples, told them that they would be made to be fishers of men, Notice now the response of the disciples. How they responded. Well, one thing that we immediately see in Mark chapter 1 is that they did not waste a minute. Yes, they did not wait. They did not find excuses. They did not find reasons to delay. They, the Lord was calling. They followed. They answered the call right away. In fact, they left everything behind and followed Jesus. You know, that's the same for us. That's the nature of our calling as well. We're called to leave everything behind and follow Jesus. Why leave everything behind? Because we cannot serve two masters. We cannot serve the world and, and God at the same time. And let's face it, let's be honest, where we find our identity, where we find our value, where we find our satisfaction, usually is in the accomplishments that we can have in this world. But that's exactly what Jesus called us to leave behind and be willing to follow Jesus instead. Trusting not in ourselves, not in our accomplishments, not in what we can do, but in the Lord himself. Not as the disciples did not go to Jesus to tell him what to do. They didn't go to Jesus and say, okay, Lord, here I am. Um, let's go this way. Why don't you come with us and bless our walk? No. Jesus asked them, follow me. And they did. They went to Jesus and if anything, they asked, Lord, where are we going? Rabbi, what are we doing? They didn't go and start teaching Jesus how to do ministry. Sometimes I find it shocking that I receive magazines sometimes that I never requested. They're intended for pastors, and for the most part, it's just advertising. But, but sometimes I'm a little shocked to see articles that would encourage pastors to, quote-unquote, run the churches as a CEO, run the churches as a business, run the churches after a model of this world. 
That's not what Jesus did. That's not what he told the disciples to do. And the disciples were not getting ideas on how to follow Jesus from the world and from what the world was telling them that they should be doing. Now they just followed the Lord because it was his ministry and still is his ministry. They left everything right there and followed him. No hesitancy, no looking back, but a great sense of honor, even just for being asked. If you ask a Jewish scholar, you will, you will know, he will tell you one thing, that no rabbi would call on someone who is not particularly brilliant or educated to be his disciples. But here we find that fishermen were called by Jesus Christ, a, regarded at that time as a miracle-performing rabbi, a, a predominant or a famous rabbi, and they were called by him to follow him, to be his disciples. Even from a religious perspective, even from a human perspective in those days, that was quite an honor. But if we look and think about Jesus Christ being God in the flesh, the ultimate teacher, God, the creator of all things, and asking us to follow him, how honored should we be? How thrilled should we be to receive that calling from him? So what about us today? How are we responding to his call? And are we called, do we think that we are called because we are the best? Well, if you listen to some Christians, it seems like we are convinced that we are called by Jesus Christ because there is no one better than us. Everybody else, of course, has problems, but we are the best. No, we are not. Let's face it, we are not. In fact, if anything we read in, as Paul shared with us, that the Lord called us, not because we are the greatest, but probably exactly the opposite, because we are not. He has called the lowly to confound the great ones. He has called the weak to confine, confound the strong. Because it is not our work that we are called to do, but his work. Did he call us because we have better ideas or greater ideas on how to run the church today? Of course not. We are called because he wants to work in us and with us molding and shaping us, tapping onto the heart and transforming our heart, and then from the heart, using us for his ministry and in his ministry, in whatever role he has placed you in the body of Christ, because every member of the body of Christ contributes to the growth of the body. And we're called and placed in the body for a reason, for a purpose. So are we, like the early disciples, are we ready to respond with joy? Are we excited at the fact that the Lord God Almighty has called us to be His witnesses? 
to be his representatives in this world. And are we willing to respond to that call promptly, without regrets, leaving behind everything, everything really that was defining us before we found our identity in Christ and accepting that new identity, the identity of Christians, the identity, a new identity we have in Christ as followers, disciples of Jesus Christ himself, God in the flesh. And realizing that as we are made fishers of men, the catch is not ours. It is the Lord's. It is his own catch. Now more than ever, brethren, the world needs God's ambassadors. We're called to share his message. And there is great need for it. Just look around and see the pain, the suffering, the, the agony of this world. There is so much pain all around us. And yet, what has God given us? He has given us good news. But then, if we don't respond, then who is going to speak for him? He has chosen to call you and me. He has chosen to call us to speak and to testify of his truth, the good news, good news. But if we don't answer, well, yes, I know. God can take stones and, and raise witnesses out of those stones as well, but how much better would it be for us to allow our hearts to be changed and our voices to be used by God to be his voice in this world? And if we don't do it now, what are we waiting for? When are we going to answer? The disciples responded immediately. Jesus called them, follow me, and they left everything and said, see you later, Dad. I'm going to follow that rabbi. I'm going to follow Messiah. I'm going to follow the teacher. I'm going to follow God. And if we don't answer now, what are we going to wait? Are we going to wait until we are, quote, unquote, ready? And what does it mean to be ready? Does it mean that we're going to put God on hold? You see, it's almost like we receive a phone call from God, and as we answer that phone call, we say, okay, can you hold on a minute while I'm finished doing everything I want to do, and then maybe I'll take your call? God wants to see a heart of joy in us because there is plenty to be joyful for as we participate with him in his ministry. So let the Lord work in you. Let us all allow the Lord and be joyfully going along with the Lord working in us and with us and through us as he makes us fishers of men as well. And let's respond with joy. There is so much work that needs to be done. And on a daily basis, I answer God's calling, the Lord's calling to pray for laborers because look, all around us, the harvest is plentiful. People need God desperately. They need the good news desperately. And the body of Christ needs laborers, needs workers. 
people who are called by God to share that good news with others. And he's called you and me to do that work. What greater honor than that? What greater joy as to have the privilege to be able to share good news with a world that so desperately needed. So let us stand and let us get to work. Let us be the Christians that God has made us to be. His spokespeople, his representatives. And may the Lord grant us the blessing to make us beacons of his love and beacons of his grace. God bless you. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fail, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Take me deeper than my feet could ever 
May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness and protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. <laughs>